Merry Christmas and welcome to our service of worship here at First Church of New Knoxville. Thank you all for joining us here in person for our worship service, as well as those who are able to join us on Facebook Live. We're so glad you've decided to join us as we worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and celebrate his birth this, mor- this evening. I invite you to, uh, to enjoy our prelude this morning. This, this evening. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen.
Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we are gathered here this evening precisely to celebrate and to remember what you have done for us. Lord, at Christmas, we celebrate Jesus coming and being born and and coming to live among us, Lord, and to ultimately die for our sins and to rescue us from our sin. And so we celebrate that this evening in song and prayer and scripture reading and in studying your word. And so guide us this evening and, and help us, Lord, in all things that we do tonight to glorify you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Tonight, we invite forward the family of Rick and Abby Homan to light our Advent candle. Good evening. On this Christmas Eve, we are gathered as God's people to celebrate again what Christ's coming means to the world. We join with Christians all over the world who are celebrating tonight. Tonight, we relight the four Advent candles and recall what the good news means. Hope. Peace. Joy. And love. Jesus Christ is the greatest gift who makes all of the, these other gifts possible. So we light the Christ candle now as we think about what Christ's coming means to each one of us. We thank you, God, for your gift of Jesus Christ to the entire world. We thank you that Christ's coming makes hope, peace, joy, and love possible for every person in every nation. Encourage us to do our part to bring goodwill and peace to our families, our churches, our community, and the world. Now let your spirit put us in touch with you, the living God, through the, through the words and music we hear tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. If you're able, I invite you to join us and stand as we hear our call to worship this morning. Familiar words for this time of year taken from Isaiah chapter 9 verses 2, as well as 6 and 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end, He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I invite you to remain standing as we sing our next song, Only a Holy God.
Amen, amen. You may be seated. Our first scripture tonight is to be read by Stan Reinecke. First scripture reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Up next we have special music. Uh, Adam Rohrball will be singing O Holy Night. And in 
scripture reading is from Tracy Luck. She'll be reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 4 through 14. Again, the scripture reading is from Luke, verses, Luke verse 2, verses 4 through 14. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Amen. Let's stand and continue to worship the Lord in song this evening by singing number 131 in your blue hymnals, Angels from the Realms of Glory.
you may be seated. And as you're having a seat, if there are any children here with us tonight, we invite you to come forward with Miss Carolyn for our children's chat. Oh, this is wonderful. Good evening. What do we have here on this banner? What's that? A goat. I think it's a sheep. I think it's a sheep. And what? I brought my friend with me. He's a little sheep too, isn't he? Did you know that they called the Lamb of God Jesus? They referred to him as the Lamb of God. Have you ever heard that before? No, that's why he's here. And they talk about, so Lammy here wanted me to share a poem. said, Mary had a little lamb. He was born on Christmas Day. She laid him in a manger in a bed of hay. Angels filled the nighttime sky, and they began to sing. Shepherds heard them all proclaim the birthday of a king. Wise men saw the blazing star up in the sky that night. They followed it until they found the king of love and light. Mary had a little lamb, but he wasn't hers, you know. He was the very son of God, the one who loves us so. The father of this little lamb Loved the world so much, he sent his only son to earth so we could feel his touch. He came to give us joy and peace and take away our sin. So when he knocks on our heart's door, be sure to let him in. Why do I love this precious lamb? What can the reason be? The answer is quite plain to see. Because he first loved me. John 1.29 says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and say, and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So when you think of Christmas, think about Jesus, the Lamb of God. Let us say a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your precious Lamb to take away our sin. Help us to remember as we celebrate his birthday that he is the greatest gift of all. Amen. Amen. We got one left up here, huh? (laughs) Hi, sweetie. Right. As we go to the Lord in prayer this evening, I want to encourage you to, uh, to uh, pray for a few different things that are on my heart and my mind. Christmas is a, is a joyous time of year. We're here tonight to celebrate the birth of our Savior. And there's no, no greater reason to celebrate and no better reason to be filled with joy. Uh, but this time of year is also hard for some people. Those that are maybe lonely, those that have lost a loved one recently. And especially during 2020, a lot of family plans that we normally rely on have changed for Christmas. And so I want to encourage you to be in prayer for each other and our church family and our communities, uh, for those that you know who may be uh, 
uh, maybe missing someone this year, we want to, I want to encourage you to be lifting them up as well, that they would experience the hope, joy, peace, and love of Christ, especially this time of year. I also want to encourage you to give tonight. Our offering will not be collected in the pews as we are so used to doing. As you know, with the pandemic, we've been collecting our offerings at the doors, and we will continue to do so tonight. As you exit this evening, if you're able to and as you feel led, I encourage you to give. Our designated offering this morning, as it has been for, I think, every Christmas Eve service that I've been here at least, is going to support Tanner's Romanian Mission. And it's a great ministry, and like many others, they've been affected by the pandemic, um, and, and they've been uh, hit especially hard. Many, Some of the residents, in fact, recently uh, were sick. Thankfully, everyone seems to be okay, but they've had a little bit of a rough time. So uh, as a church, as consistory this month, we approved a, a special gift. And so what, anything that you give tonight to the offering to go to support Tanner's Romanian mission will be, will be doubled, will be matched by, excuse me, will be matched by the church through our Warner Benevolent Fund. And so your gift tonight to Tanner's Romanian mission will count twice. So if you are interested in, in wanting to support them, I encourage you to, to do that tonight. Your offering at the door will be, will be matched, and the gift that we collect tonight as a church will be doubled and sent to Tanner's Romanian mission to support them in their effort. So I want to encourage you as you exit the sanctuary tonight, if you're able to give as you so, as you so feel led, and to support that ministry. Let us go to the Lord now together in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you that we can gather as your family, as brothers and sisters in Christ, to worship you our, and, and celebrate the birth of our Savior. Lord, we are so filled with joy and so filled with hope and love and peace because of what you have done for us. But we pray especially now for those that are in this room, those that are watching on Facebook, our friends, our family and coworkers, Lord, who are hurting this time of year. We pray especially that your spirit would be a source of comfort and peace for them. We pray for Tanner's Romanian mission. We pray, Lord, that you would provide for them and that the offering that we collect tonight, Lord, will be a blessing to them and their ministry. We pray all these things in the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Our next scripture reading is from Luke chapter 2, as well as Matthew chapter 2. It'll be read by Brad Hoagie. Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 21, and Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and 9 and 11. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given them before he was conceived. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, 
During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who was born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now they had heard the king. They went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Thanks, Brad. Let's stand once again, if you're able, and continue to worship the Lord together. Number 145, O come, all ye faithful.
why we're here this evening and tonight, this evening, isn't it? We're here to come and gather and worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, we hear these same words, just about these same words read every year from the Gospels of Luke and Matthew, uh, but they're words that never get old. And we can hear them every year, Christmas Eve service after Christmas Eve service, and yet they still bring us joy and still bring us hope. Those familiar words, the familiar songs. That's why we're, why we're gathered here tonight, to celebrate the birth of our Savior. This time we want to turn our attention to a little maybe unfamiliar scripture reading as I alluded to on Sunday morning. We're going to read tonight from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 through 18. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place which someone has testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. And putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them, but we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of our salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are being made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, Here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for their sins, the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the reading of your word. And we pray now as we take time this evening to, to reflect on it, that you would guide our hearts and minds in the spirit towards Christ. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As I've already alluded to tonight, Christmas is such an exciting time of year. Was that a warning? I almost skipped right over you guys. I am so sorry. I was so focused on my sermon, I just went right to it. We have a, we have a special music to offer tonight. Thank you guys. Sorry about that. Evidently, we're not the headliners.
certainly didn't want to miss that. Apologize once again. As I was saying, um, (laughs) it's a lot to be excited about at Christmas, a lot to be excited about this time of year. Uh, We always, and my family, my kids were just ecstatic, and we always do Christmas a little differently at our place. We always do Christmas uh, the night before, actually. So last night was actually the Buckland family Christmas Eve, and this morning we got up and opened presents. One of the family traditions that Allie carried over from her childhood was opening Christmas pajamas. The whole family gets to open one present on Christmas Eve night, and it's always a new set of pajamas that everyone's supposed to wear to bed and wake up the next morning, uh, get some nice family photos that way. It's a fun little tradition, and it gives the kids a little taste of what's to come in the morning. This year, however, we did something a little bit different. We let the kids have a sleepover in JoJo's room. So we broke out the sleeping bags and let them lay side by side on the floor, And Miles and Josephine, when we put them to bed, they were just talking to each other because they were so excited about Christmas. After we put them to bed, I was able to hear them through the monitor just talking about, uh, Josephine was even telling Miles about what it's like to wake up and open presents. And she was just being this really cool big sister. And it was really cute to hear them talking at 9 p.m. about Christmas. And then eventually the excitement wore off and they fell asleep. It was really sweet to hear them talk at 9 p.m. It was much less sweet to hear them talking at 2 o'clock in the morning because we woke up to them once again chatting about Christmas and presents through the monitor and we told them that they needed to go to sleep because it wasn't time to wake up yet. And we told them again at 2.30 and at 2.45 and about 3.15. Eventually, they, we had to threaten them a little bit and they finally fell back asleep But at 5.55, we heard a knock on the door, and they were ready to go. And that time we said, I guess it's it's Christmas morning, so we got up and opened presents. You know, their excitement was palpable. For a kid, and to be honest, for a lot of adults, right, there's an exciting excitement in Christmas and getting up and opening presents that just can't be contained. But not everyone gets excited about Christmas, though. This year in particular has been very hard and difficult for a lot of people. The joy and excitement that the holidays normally bring is hard to come by. The pandemic has affected many aspects of our lives, including holiday plans. Maybe this is your first Christmas without a loved one around the table. Or maybe there just aren't as many presents under the tree due to uh, uncertainty at work or financial hardship. I've noticed a difference in how I've had to approach Christmas this year. And I don't know if I was able to put a finger on it, myself until I saw the joy and excitement literally overflowing in my kids. See, the joy, sometimes joy and excitement is hard to come by. But as Christians, we do have a lot to be excited about this year, and it has nothing to do with presence under the tree, family gatherings, or the state of the pandemic. It has everything to do with the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
He is the greatest gift of all. He is the source of our hope, our joy, our peace, and the love we experience. Without him, all the presence in the world would ultimately leave us empty. Adam blessed us with a rendition of O Holy Night earlier in the service. And one of the lines of that song sticks out in particular this year. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. It's a pretty good description of 2020, isn't it? A weary world. How many of you are feeling weary? How many of you are feeling worn out or burned out? But the good news is that Christ brings hope to a weary world. The good news is that the Father sees our weariness, our pain, our brokenness, and he doesn't abandon us. He saw the brokenness of the world and decided to do something about it. And he did something by sending his son, Jesus. That's something to get excited about. Last Sunday, I preached from the book of Hebrews and talked about why Jesus came. Right? He came to be our great high priest to establish a new covenant between God and his people. Right? And that new covenant is based on a relationship that we can have with God through Christ. That God's law is no longer written on tablets of stone, but is written on our, on our hearts and on our minds. And tonight, I want to dig in a little bit deeper on that. And the question I want us to focus on tonight is why did God send a son? And why was he born to be human like us? You see, when God established the old covenant on Mount Sinai, right, he came down in fire and smoke and thunder, right? There was no missing God when he came and delivered the law into Moses' hands. But this time around, God, the son, arrived in the humblest of circumstances. He was born to a young woman pledged to be married to a carpenter, the couple was so nondescript that, that there, when the time came for Jesus to be born, right, there was no place for them to stay, and he was born in a manger. So here's the question at the focus, our focus tonight. Why did God have to become human in order to save us? Right? Couldn't he have shown up just like he did at Sinai? Couldn't he have appeared in the clouds and rained forgiveness down on his people? So why did God appear as human? And second, how does the incarnation, Jesus becoming human, what effect does that have on us? We're looking at Hebrews 2 tonight because this passage clearly answers those questions for us. One of the more well-known verses in all of Hebrews actually comes at the beginning of chapter 1. In chapter 1, verse 3, it says that the Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His being. The letter starts by highlighting Jesus' divinity. But here in chapter 2, we see the opposite of that. We see the emphasis on Jesus being human, being flesh and blood like us. In verse 9, it says that he was made a little lower than angels for a time. In verse 14, it says that he took on flesh and blood. And finally, in verse 17, it says he had to be like us in every way. Now, now notice what that verse says, that last one. Don't miss it. It says that Jesus had to become like one of us. He had to. In order to become our great high priest, in order to establish that new covenant, in order to forgive us of our sin, he had to become like one of us. Now, it's fair to say that the father didn't have to send Jesus, right? When, when our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned and, and all of creation was subjected to sin, including you and I, God could have wiped his hands clean and said, all right, I'm done with you, I'm moving on. But that's not what he did. And this is what the author of Hebrews is telling us, that God did have to send his son Jesus in order to rescue us from our sin. If God wanted to redeem a people for himself, if God wanted to pour out his grace and his mercy on us, then he did have to send Jesus. There was no other way to do it. 
As Paul puts it in Romans 5 eight, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God reached down in the midst of our sinfulness, in the midst of our brokenness, and rescued us. And that rescue mission began when Jesus was born on Christmas morning. In verse 17, it also says that Jesus became like us in every way. And that part is important as well. It means that Jesus got the full human experience. When I was a kid, my favorite movie growing up was Disney's Aladdin. Um, now, I, I wanna, don't feel like I have to say spoiler alert here because it's a 30-year-old movie. But just in case, I'm going to tell you how it ends. Right at the end of the movie, the villain Jafar is in possession of the magic lamp and he has one wish left. And, and Aladdin, the hero, right, he plays off of Jafar's ego and his thirst for power and convinces Jafar to wish that he himself would become a genie. Right? And as, as Jafar is being transformed into a genie and he's experiencing his newfound power, there's this moment where he, he blows off the roof of the palace and he says, phenomenal cosmic power, right? But in that moment, you see these bracers appear on Jafar's arms. You see a new magic lamp appear because not only did, did that wish come with new power, but it also came with limitations that Jafar was not expecting. And as he's being, as he's being sucked back into the lamp, the hero Aladdin is holding on to it. And he says, phenomenal cosmic power, but itty bitty living space. Jafar, you see, he was tricked into his new limitations. Jesus, however, embraced his humanity willingly. As the eternal son of God, Jesus was and, was and is the creator and sustainer of the universe. And in John 1, it says that all things that have been made have been made through him. But now the creator is stepping into his creation. He became like one of us and everything that entails. Verses 10 and 18 remind us that Jesus experienced suffering on our behalf. And that's not something that we should take lightly. When it says that Jesus suffered, it means that he really suffered. In all the same ways that you and I suffer. He was tempted in the wilderness. He experienced betrayal and abandonment by his closest friends. He had a friend die unexpectedly. He was arrested, tortured, and executed as an innocent man. And the closing of verses Hebrew the closing verses of Hebrews two says that he endured all of this so that he could be a merciful and faithful high priest who can help us when we're tempted. Do you understand what that means? It means that Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. Have you ever felt that someone, you wish someone could understand the pain and the heartache that you were feeling? It means that Jesus knows. Have you ever felt like you were abandoned by all of your closest friends and nobody could relate to what you're going through? Jesus can relate to that as well. Not only that, but he can help you face whatever challenges that you're going through because God doesn't always take away the pain you're experiencing or the obstacle that's in your way, but he does walk you through the hardship. He provides the strength to endure so at some point you can come out the other side with the same attitude as the Apostle Paul so that you can say, his, power, his grace is sufficient for me. His power is made perfect in weakness. You see, it's through his suffering and ultimately his death that our forgiveness is assured. Verse 9 says that Jesus tasted death for everyone. And later in verse 14, it says that through death, he has destroyed the power of the one who destroyed the one who holds the power of death, the devil. You see, Jesus wasn't born just to live a good life. He was born so that he, with the end in mind, before the son of God took on flesh and dwelt among us, he knew that his life would end on Calvary's hill. 
The baby born in the manger would become the man nailed to the cross. And the cross, of course, leads to the empty tomb. Christmas finds its fullest and most complete meaning in Good Friday and Easter Sunday. See, that's why Jesus came, to destroy the power of sin and death, to defeat the enemy once and for all. And the good news that this brings is that it has important implications for us. When angels appeared to the shepherds on the night Jesus was born, they said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people, that a Savior has been born. We talked about why Jesus came, and I want to spend the last few minutes here talking about what that good news means for us. First, it means that we've been set free from the power of sin and the fear of death. One of the titles that the Bible gives the devil is Satan. It means the accuser. Think of him like a prosecuting attorney in a court of law. Apart from Christ, we are guilty in our sin. Every last one of us. And Satan knows this and loves to hang it over our heads. And one of his favorite weapons is condemnation, causing us to despair due to the guilt and shame of our sin. Jesus, however, breaks the power that Satan has over us. Jesus' death breaks the fear of death and the power of sin because we've been declared righteous in Christ. He paid the price for us and we are now forgiven. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Notice the switch that takes place there. We are guilty in our sin, but God took in Christ that Christ took that guilt upon himself, and in return, we receive his righteousness. We receive his pardon. In Romans 8, chapter 1, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, we have nothing to fear. We have no guilt or shame to bear because Jesus bore it for us. And so the accuser has lost his power because there's nothing left to condemn us for. What we were unable to do ourselves, God did for us in Christ saved us from our sin. Second, we see that we are children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. Hebrews 2 says that through Christ, God is bringing many sons and daughters to glory. Prodigals are being welcomed home. Those who are far off are being brought near. God's family is not based on the color of your skin, the town you were born in, or how much money you put in the offering plate. The one thing that God's family is based off, the one requirement to be a son or daughter of God is a personal decision to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's it. John 1, 12 through 13 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The one thing that believers have in common, a relationship with Christ, is infinitely greater than anything else that separates us. You see, family is important. Not everyone comes from a good family. Not everyone has good parents or good siblings or even good children. Some don't have any family left at all. And no matter what the composition of your earthly family is like, know that you have a place and that you belong in God's family. The Father loves you. Jesus died for you. And the Holy Spirit will be with you wherever you go, even in the hardest darkest moments of your life. God has given you a church family, brothers and sisters in Christ, to encourage and support you as well. And if you don't have a church family, you're always welcome here at First Church. And finally, we are being made holy. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11 reminds us that God sanctifies his children. This means two things, right? God is making us holy. And first, it means that forgiveness is not an excuse to keep on sinning. 
The freedom that Christ brings is not freedom to go on sinning or to do whatever we please. It's freedom from fear so that we may live for him. Romans chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Don't use your relationship with God like a get out of jail free card. Right? Don't insult him like that. Second, God doesn't rescue us from our sin just to leave us as we are. Putting your faith in Christ is not a one-time decision. It's the first step of a lifelong journey of discipleship. God's desire is for us to be holy like he is holy. That's why Jesus came. God will use anyone and anything in our life to accomplish that purpose. The good, the bad, and everything in between. Romans 8, 28-29 says, We know that in all things God works together for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now people have a history of misunderstanding this verse. People read that God works all things together for good, and, and we think we have a clear idea of what good is. We say that the good that we deserve is a good job, a functional family, a problem-free marriage. Maybe it's early retirement or the end of COVID restrictions forever. I'd be okay with that. That seems pretty good to me. But God defines good for us in the very next verse. The good that God wants us to experience is to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, what's good is what makes us more like Jesus. And that may not always be easy. It involves daily denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following him. I don't know where you were when you walked into the room tonight, whether when you logged onto Facebook. Maybe you were excited like my kids and couldn't wait for Christmas to come. I encourage you to rejoice in the birth of your Savior and know that the forgiveness of Christ is the greatest gift that you can receive. Or maybe you were a little bit more like me and you were having a hard time experiencing the joy of the season. Know that Jesus understands. Christmas means that God is not ignorant of your pain or your suffering. Jesus was born. He lived. He suffered like us in every way so that he can help us in our time of need. It is in him, in him alone, that causes a weary world to rejoice. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the hope that you bring us. We thank you, Lord, that you died for us so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be part of your family. That, Jesus, is why you came. Help us to not forget that, especially this day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As we stand uh, to sing in the next song, uh, I want to invite the elders and deacons that are helping with the candlelight service, uh, the silent night at the end of our service, to come forward. We are singing Joy to the World uh, as we prepare for that part of our service. So that's, I invite you to stand with us as we sing number 125.
seated. This portion of the service is always one of my favorite things to do uh, every time of year. Every year, this, this part of the service is such a joy when we get to take the light from the Christ candle and pass it around the room. In just a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my candle, I'm going to light it from the Christ candle, the Advent wreath, and, and then begin to pass it and distribute among our elders and deacons up here at front. And as soon as they get the candle, they, their candle lit, they will go and begin to distribute it around the room. You know, flame represents the light of God coming into the world. The candle represents Jesus, the light of the world, shining through us into a dark world that needs to see the light of God. So as you receive, as your candle is lit today, as you receive that flame from one of the elders or deacons or your neighbor in the pew, I invite you to think about what that means. It means that the light of the world has now come not only into the world, but into your heart, if you allow him to. And, and God doesn't want you to keep it there. He wants you to let your light shine so that a world that desperately needs Christ can see Christ shining through you. As the flame is passed around and the lights are turned off, we're going to see that each of our individual lights is enough to light up this room. And we're going to blow them out when the service is done, of course. I don't want to walk around with an open flame everywhere. But when the service is done and we blow them out, know that that light of God is still shining through you. And allow that light to shine, not just at Christmas, but all year round. So as we begin lighting, I'm going to invite Kay. She's going to play through the first part of Silent Night. uh, And then as as the flame begins to distribute, we'll join in in singing uh, the verses of Silent Night. They are printed in your bulletin for convenience sake tonight.
Now I invite you to go, singing a song to the God of our salvation. Sing of his mighty deeds and his glory. Join the heavenly chorus and sing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace. Sing of God's salvation from day to day because Jesus Christ is born today. Amen. You may go in peace. Have a Merry Christmas. Thank you.